Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to Setting the Pigs, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Sabonis down the lane with authority. Oh, Miles Turner bringing that smoke. Lundberg skies high for the jam. Warren lets it fly. Yes, T.J. Warren is not human. The Setting the Pace podcast had Kevin Pritchard on. Well, you got it setting the pace, and I think that's terrific. All right, Fachi, what's going on, my man? We are in the play-in game. The Pacers are officially the ninth seed after their win of the Toronto Raptors on Sunday. We're recording this Monday around 5.30, and we've got some uh, injury news updates. But, Fachi, before we get into all of that, how was your weekend, man? Weekend was good. Brother had his wedding, so uh, I got awesome. to be – I was the best man at the wedding. Got to give uh, quite the speech, received a lot of, you know, good praise on that, and uh-huh. uh, I was happy to be able to deliver – I don't know about you, been to a bunch of weddings. I've heard some terrible speeches in my time. I would not be that guy. Yeah, so at my wedding, I didn't make uh, my best men give a speech. I just said, you don't have to do it. And they didn't want to do it. So (laughs) I just didn't go with one. I would rather rather not have one than have a bad one, if that makes sense. So they, uh, you know, we we had our fun whenever we uh, had the bachelor party and stuff like that. So I just, you know, a speech is not that important to me, but... (laughs) Um, anyway, yeah, I just got back from Michigan today about three hours ago, and I've, I've been working my tail off at home getting things done, trying to get ready for tomorrow as I go back to work. But here we are, Foch, and we got a lot of things to talk about. So first things first, let's talk about this injury update. Gordon Hayward is officially ruled out for the Charlotte Hornets. It looks like Miles Turner is ruled out. Now is Jeremy Lamb officially ruled out? Jeremy Lamb has not been officially ruled out, but it is not looking good. So from what I've heard – um, Aaron Holiday, Edmund Sumner, Malcolm Brogdon had a you know, pretty promising, good workout earlier, but Brogdon is a true game time decision for tomorrow. Wasn't able to get an update on Lamb. Yeah, so I would assume that Lamb is out. I think that Aaron Holiday, even if he is available, he will not be in the rotation tomorrow. Yeah. I just don't see that happening. If Sumner is available, I think he very much will be in the rotation because of how guard heavy the Charlotte Hornets are but I have to ask you a question because you know me I've always got my tinfoil hat on thinking about conspiracies we've kind of heard some rumblings that Brogdon is not happy with the coaching change he's been a game time decision for how many games now it feels like five Uh, or six in a row do you think there is um, 
I don't want to play. I don't want to. I don't want to accuse him of this, but I'm just asking. Do you think that there's possibly a little bit of cat and ma- uh, mouse going on here between Brogdon and playing or not playing because of how he feels about Nate Bjorkman? No, I don't. Just because, I mean, I think that they probably made the smart move to be like, hey, look, no one's letting us out of this playing game to the point where let's let's rest him. And, and it seems like if he's still a game time decision and there's chances are maybe one, maybe two games left in the year, it feels like in my mind Brog- they're going to put Brogdon out there and hope for the best. And I think at this point, hey, I'm fine with him not playing against you know, the Torontos and, and Milwaukee and the Lakers. But uh, I do expect him to be out there. But, hey, crazier things have happened. So how do you think his return will affect the Pacers? I mean, I, to me, honestly, like, I would probably agree with you. I don't think it's a conspiracy theory type of thing where he's trying to sit out on purpose. But I'm just curious because, one, I think Lavert's been better with as a single ball handler. Yes. With Sabonis not having Brogdon hog the ball as much at the top of the key, not hog, but, you know, kind of have the ball in his hands for most of the offensive possession. And, and two, like if he was healthier, I mean, healthy enough, I mean, I feel like wouldn't you want him to come back maybe against Toronto or maybe a, a come back against the Lakers just to try to shake some of that rest off before the playing game? Yeah, I, I would have liked that, uh, of course, because, I mean, we could see Brogdon come out there, you know, go four of 16, kind of disrupt things a bit. And then it's like, well, what were we really expecting when he hasn't played in what, you know, close to two weeks now? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's a tough spot to be in, but I think that is one that you would rather Brogdon be out there if he can than not be out there. I mean, from a guard standpoint, you know, that's that's Charlotte's strength. So, you know, we got the length of LaMelo Ball, you got Terry Rozier in there. I mean, obviously even, you know, Devontae Graham. I mean, they're, they, they got some good guards over there that, why wouldn't you want a defensive guard like Malcolm Brogdon out there? But yeah, he could be rusty. That's got to be something we probably should expect. Absolutely, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be uh, curious to see how he does coming back from that injury. It just feels like you know this is a guy that really can help this team. And when he has come back from injury earlier in the season, when he set out a few games, it looks like he's come back pretty healthy and ready to go. But at the same time, he's not been out this long. Uh, to me, I don't think he has any way um, all season long. So yeah. I'll be interested to see how he plays. And then, of course, I'm kind of curious what their starting lineup looks like. And I'm kind of curious on what both teams' starting lineups look like. So if we're just going to play a little uh, game of guessing here, who would you guess would be the starting lineup for both teams? So I was actually messing around with that a little bit. And it, it's going to be interesting to see. I think that in like a, you know, a do or die matchup over here, I'm thinking that Justin Holiday is going to be in the starting lineup. I'm thinking of uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, Justin Holiday, O'Shea Brissett, and Sabonis starting yep. lineup. That's exactly what I would say because I think defense matters more than anything yeah, in the play exactly. in, in the play-in game or in the playoffs period or whatever you want to call this. But I, I do think that it really does matter. And I don't want to be negative about Doug McDermott, but what he's shown me the last two years in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm not too excited about seeing him out there for a ton of minutes, especially if they feel like they can get him in one-on-one matchups and attack him in the pick and roll, because that's where I think Justin's a little bit better. But I do think, honestly, having O'Shea out there is a huge upgrade than, you know, what they had before they signed him. I mean, imagine if he wasn't on this team. No, could imagine. One, one they'd probably be the 10th seed. I don't think they'd be the ninth seed. And <laughs> that sounds funny, but there's a good possibility they're not they're not even in the 10th seed. There's a possibility that they just fall out because he's been that important 
to me anyway, just playing that four because he's got the, the size for it. So I think that this is a good matchup for him, but I do think that he is going to be um, – he's going to have his hands full guarding whoever he has to guard. I think there's a possibility it's Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, but I'm not sure. Looking at Charlotte's team, who do you think is their starting five? I mean, I think you're obviously going to have LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier off the bat. Miles um, Bridges, I would expect to be in there. P.J. Washington, I do expect to be in there. Then you're looking at a bit of a wild card scenario. Jalen McDaniels has been getting the starts lately. Uh, so I do think it's probably going to be that group, that five right there. But it, it's hard to fully tell. Um, I, I'm going to go, if I'm a, a betting man, I'm going with LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, Jalen McDaniels, P.J. Washington. So uh, not really a, a, a tall lineup to say in terms of like, I don't believe anyone's above 6'9 in that group. Right. But at the same point, you know, you, LaMelo Ball, I mean, one of the lengthiest point guards in the league list at six, seven. So you, you got a lot of guys between LaMelo ball, at six, seven, PJ Washington, at six, seven, Jalen McDaniels, I believe is six, nine. Uh, and then miles bridges, I want to say six, six. So it, it's a decent collection of height. I mean, obviously outside of Sabonis, the Pacers don't have the tallest lineup. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely going to be interesting when I was looking at how these teams uh, faced, you know, faced off against each other earlier in the year, the Pacers won the first matchup. They actually played a back-to-back series in the beginning of the year in January, uh-huh. and then they didn't play for a few months later. Uh, was the Pacers won the first matchup, and Doug McDermott actually was the one that scored 28 points in that win. Uh, but then after that, I mean, it, things didn't go uh, quite as well, but O'Shea Brissett did not play in either of the, either of the three games. Right, right, right. So I, I think that I would agree that they'll probably stick with that same starting lineup there's part of me that questions if they start Cody Zeller just because of one, the experience in a, in a critical game, unlike Jalen McDaniels. Yeah. He's the longest tenured Hornet. He's been there since he got drafted. So, I mean, he's been there a very long time. And honestly, I could see, I could see a, a scenario where they think that he might match up better guarding Sabonis c- compared to PJ Washington. But at the same time, if you go back and look at the game that the Hornets won in April when they beat Indiana 114 to 97, this is the uh, game where the Hornets lost Gordon Hayward for the rest mm-hmm. of the uh, the season, it looks like. And, and honestly, I think they did better when they were smaller. I, I think being able to drag out Sabonis from the paint, you know, not having Miles Turner in this game could hurt the Pacers quite a bit just for rim protection purposes. But I think that being a little bit smaller, not having the double bigs is a benefit to Indiana. But at the same time, I can see, I can see Charlotte trying to play some matchups where they go quite a bit smaller and really just try to beat this team offensively over, you know, trying to beat them defensively, because I don't know if they have the defensive stoppers to, to kind of put the clamps down on a Karis Levert and a DeMontis Sabonis. No, I definitely don't think they do. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I was looking at that game, um, the 114 to 97 loss, in that game, the Pacers had 20 turnovers and let the Hornets get to the free throw line 29 times. Mm. So those are two stats. Uh, it's going to be hard to really win any game over there. That was another game that Brogdon missed. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But at the same point, you know, LaMelo Ball didn't play. Gordon Hayward missed half the game, basically. Malik Monk was out. So uh, I don't want to be making excuses there. The Hornets were banged up, too. So it's going to be interesting, but when you mentioned the Miles Turner, you know, rim protection, I found an interesting stat, basically saying that ESPN, I'll give them a little credit over here, they dug this up, but uh, 
Previously, the Pacers were just outside the NBA's top 10, ranking 11th overall in terms of opponents' points in the paint at 51.1 points per game led up. It was 29th, uh, 29th in the NBA um, over that. Uh, the 51.1 points per game led up uh, in the paint was 29th overall, so very good. However, since Miles Turner has went out, that has ballooned to 59.5, which is nearly five more points than any other team has allowed. Wow. So we went from a middle-of-the-pack defense overall, which we weren't happy with, but an elite rim protection in the paint to actually pretty much the worst. So it has not been good. Like you said, we are not going to see Miles Turner out there. I don't expect Miles Turner to come back this year. I don't think that this is a, a matter of him being – questionable at any point he is out um so that's going to be tough but also another quick interesting stat when it comes to playing zone defense the Pacers ranked third in the NBA most zone possessions played on defense while the Hornets actually led the league in this category so you were looking at two of the teams that run zone defenses the most but Alex what we heard and what we had seen in the past was Toronto's ability to make adjustments almost kind of on the fly. And I'm curious if Bjorkman has something left in the bag that maybe he hasn't brought out this year. Well, I mean, if he does, I don't know what he's saving it for. Because I don't know either. <laughs> I don't think he does, quite frankly. I think, but I, I mean, that bag is empty. Yeah, I think he's pulled out all the stops to try to get in a playing game. No offense. But what I will say is I think if the Pacers play more than uh, – zone for a possession or two at a time or like you know a couple of possessions and then go back to man just to change it up if they play if they play a zone for five to six minutes in a quarter I think that that could be the nail in the coffin for this team Very this well Indiana Pacers zone defense is quite frankly the worst zone defense I've seen in my entire life brutal it is absolutely atrocious they don't need they don't really seem to know what they're doing out there and and without Turner just there to protect the rim if they get inside it I mean that's not something I want to risk and if you look at Charlotte, they're a really good three-point shooting team. If they're able to get out there and, and get some, you know, some other guards out there, like Malik Monk, who was really good off the bench this year, who's been coming back from injury. You got Devontae Graham, who is always a wild card. I mean, he can have a big night if he gets hot. Terry Rozier, you mentioned earlier, earlier, he's been fantastic this season. If those guys can get hot from three, along with, you know, you, you get a couple here and there from PJ, uh, PJ Washington and Miles Bridges, I mean, that could be the nail in the coffin for the Indiana Pacers. I think they have to really do a good job of sticking with that man-to-man defensive scheme. And if you're feeling like somebody's getting hot, for some reason, as the Bonte Green starts going off early on, maybe you switch to a box and one for a half a second just to try to throw a different look at him. But at the end of the day, I just don't think that this is a game where you can risk playing zone, especially with how bad they've executed it. Exactly. I think the Pacers had done. I mean, it's even been credited that when they've switched to man defense recently, it's it's fared better for them. It, it just quite frankly has. And I know we talked offline about this, but this Charlotte team is limping into this playing game. Yeah, yeah. Three and seven in the last ten, they've lost five straight. So I mean, this is one of those where Charlotte does not look good. And Alex, for what it's worth, ever since. The rock bottom loss to the Sacramento Kings. This Pacers team has played better, and they really have not had many bodies to be throwing out there. I mean, this is a team that they're five and five in their last ten. Um, I believe they're they're four and three in their last seven. But this is uh, this is also a team that they're being competitive for whatever it's worth. They played the Lakers very competitively 
the other day. They played Milwaukee. Like, I'm not going to say great by any means. They hung around for the, the lack of bodies that they had. You beat Atlanta recently, and there was a hard-fought overtime loss to Washington by one point. Look, we don't want to pat. I'm not in the business of patting, you know, patting ourselves on the back for losses. But there has barely been any any starters out there lately, and the Pacers have hung around to the point where, hey, if Charlotte's limping into this game, Alex, I feel weirdly optimistic the Pacers might be able to take this one. Yeah, you sound like Bob Kravitz over there, giving this team a lot of praise for, for mediocre basketball. I'm just, I'm just kidding with you. No, I mean, what I will say, Fletch, and I, I was wondering this myself because it's really hard to tell late in the season how tough teams are playing. And the Pacers definitely needed to win. But some of the teams they were playing did not need to win. Like, I get it. The Atlanta game was very impressive. But the win that they had over Philadelphia, we talked about it, I think, on the podcast Maybe it was me and Jake. I can't remember. But to me, it just felt like it felt like they were not playing their hardest. It it, it felt like the Lakers were kind of just coasting. Same with Milwaukee. Like they knew they were good enough to beat us when it mattered. I mean, obviously, Sabonis didn't play in the Lakers game, uh, the Bucks game. It was crazy how close it was for how long it was. And the Pacers beating the Sixers was was a miracle in itself. But then you go look at the Cavs game. And that's a team that we thought we should have just spanked and they hang, they hung around for a little while. So I'm not really sure what this team is still. And it's, it's bad to say that 72 games later, I'm still unsure of who this Indiana Pacers team You're is like not alone. It's well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they're, they're, they're looking like they're playing better, but I just don't know if it's fool's gold. Like you beat the Raptors by 12, they're a crap team. You know, you, you barely beat the, beat the Cavs. You beat them by eight points. You know, you lost to the Kings and everything's imploding on May 5th. I mean, it's only been 12 days since then. So Two weeks to try to write the ship. It's 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 hard to figure them out. And once again, TJ McConnell comes out to the defense of Nate Bjorkren yesterday, saying these reports are all false. He's got a family. We're not quitting on him. We're here to play for him. Still, to this day, he is the only single person I have seen back Nate Bjorkren from coaches, staff members, in the front office. It says a lot. Are you buying it or not? Are you buying it? I'm not buying it at all. It's almost like, you know, it's almost like the man was begging for someone to just come to his aid. And McConnell is just like, it just feels like McConnell is just such a great guy. Yeah. You know, like maybe, maybe given that McConnell's dad was a coach his whole life, maybe he, he feels the pressure of like, hey, this guy's got a family to feed. Like, come on, like, let's not, you know, it's not all on the coaching maybe he could just sympathize on that side of things. But yeah, it says a lot that other players are not coming to, you know, Bjorken's aid. And I don't blame them though. I don't, but here's basically why I'm, I'm relating it back to that rock bottom loss to the Kings because I think this Pacers team was truly embarrassed at that point. Maybe I think that that was when things got so bad that it was like, Hey guys, like, we're making headlines for all the wrong reasons. And I've seen guys step up. I, I really have. I mean, Karis Levert has been such a treat to watch. Sabonis, ever since coming back, has actually been unbelievable. And we've even seen guys like Keelan Martin, who maybe just, I don't know, maybe he just needed more playing time. But Keelan Martin's been playing better. And I don't expect to see Keelan Martin in this game at all again against Charlotte. So the real question that now becomes, how many men are in this rotation? I, I, I went through it. 
and I think I can count eight, but that includes if Sumner is available, and that includes Goga getting a handful of minutes. Do you see it going past eight, or it, could it possibly even be seven? Eight feels like the perfect number for me. All right, so who? So you have Brogdon playing, right? I got yeah. Brogdon playing, so I got so, Brogdon. So our only injuries are TJ Warren, Miles Turner, and Jeremy Lamb. Is that what you're going yeah. with? Yeah, and I, I'm saying that just like we mentioned, if Aaron Holiday is healthy, he's not active. Okay. But this is, if, this is if, tough. I think yeah. with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I think I'm going to go nine if okay. Sumner's available. If Sumner's not available, I'm going eight. Okay. And here's why. I don't think you can sit McConnell. I don't think you can sit nah. McDermott. Nope. And I think that you have to have one of Jakar Sampson or Gogobataze play back yes. center minutes. But I personally feel in this situation, you've got to play Goga just a little bit, even if it's just in the first half. Um, you got to play him to get him experience because if you're going to start O'Shea Brissett, a guy that you picked up off the streets, you know, a young guy you're investing on, I think you have to do the same thing with Google with Tides. You have to give him some minutes. So assuming foul trouble is not a problem, I would definitely. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Do a nine-man rotation, but I think I would probably have Sumner. Uh, It's really tough because I think Sumner and Goga probably have the least amount of minutes off the bench. Without a doubt. But... I just, I just don't know. I mean, if McDermott plays terrible, then you got to consider playing Sumner more. It's just, I think foul trouble is going to be a big thing. But did you have, a, did you have a like a, a minutes rotation set up or anything? No, I really didn't. But here's what I say: I think those starters are playing heavy minutes. I mean, Bjorkman's got to know this. There's a, there's a real chance this could be his last game as an NBA head coach. And, and I think that you can, if McConnell, I know, you know, things were different. And there was no Brogdon. McConnell played like 44 minutes a couple games ago. I'm mm-hmm. imagining that Sabonis is playing, you know, potentially 40, 42 minutes. O'Shea's probably logging, I'd say maybe, maybe 37 minutes, uh, like the high, the high 30s. Karis Levert, I mean, you got to be thinking he's got to be playing 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're really looking at how how many minutes do you think you're going to get for Doug McDermott? I'm thinking that could be, you know, 25, 20, you know, right in there. Yeah, no, I think I would agree with that to, um, for the most part. It's just he's if he's hitting, I think you play him longer. If yeah, he's oh, not if if he's not shooting well, and you know, he's been good on defense actually this year. So I'm not like anti him playing a bunch, but I do think that he's gonna have to figure it out um to get a to get a lot of minutes because I just I'm not sure what's gonna happen here. It's it's really hard for me to figure this out. I'm trying to do it while we're talking. 
and I'm struggling just to come up with the minutes. But I, I do think that there's a chance he does. Um, I think McDermott does probably get close to 25. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and over the course of, of the month of May, he's only top 30 minutes one time, and that was in the Toronto game. So it feels like 25 minutes is kind of what I have in my mind as probably a good amount when you're talking about bringing back, you know, Brogdon, probably Sumner at mm-hmm. least. So 25 minutes is probably where I see him at. In most of the games in May, he was logging 28 minutes. So it feels, you know, feels natural to trim a couple minutes off if you're bringing in, you know, a couple extra bodies. So that's kind of where I see him at right there, that 25-minute mark. It's Goga that I mentioned before that – that could be like six minutes, you know. I'm yeah. not entirely positive. I don't see it going much more than that, though. Like Goga seems like someone that I cap off at probably nine minutes, but probably is looking at maybe six. It's mm-hmm. Sumner that you know. Sumner could be. I would love if Sumner is like kind of that spark plug difference in this game. I would love that, but you just don't know what you're getting, you know, given his absence. And we, like we talked about earlier before. Brogdon is the question mark. If Brogdon's on, this Pacers team should be able to take care of business against Charlotte. I know you mentioned earlier, when Brogdon did have a couple of games off, he looked fully rejuvenated. This injury feels a bit different. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. So here is what I've got, Fudge. It's it's still hard for me to figure this out because I'm, I'm having a brain fart here. But I've got Brogdon and McConnell playing 48 minutes I got 28 a point guard for Malcolm 20 for McConnell at the point guard position now when I go to shooting guard I'm playing Lavert 24 minutes I'm playing Brogdon 10 minutes at shooting guard and then I'm going to play Sumner four minutes there uh, just just to see how he does if he comes back decent from from injury so then I've got Justin Holiday, and I'm going to play him a total of 15 minutes at the at the three and i'm going to play him 15 or 18 minutes at the four so i'm splitting up his minutes as well similar to brogdon's o'shea Brissett, i want to play him more than i think i do but i'm not sure he can handle it i'm going to give him 25 minutes overall okay. which which would give me about i think 10 minutes to uh, lavert but he's got to play more than that so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to knock uh knock doug's down to 20 and cut Edmund Sumner's backup minutes out here. So that looks like I'm going to have to give, that's 20 plus 15 is 35. So 13 minutes to Levert at the three, which would give him a total of 37 minutes. He might have to play more than that too. I think so, he he's got to be around 40. Yeah, so that, that you might just have to cut Sumner out of the rotation I, then. I, that's what I'm that's, saying. That's where, it's, that's where it comes to. Like if you if you cut Sumner completely out, then I think you, you give um, all those minutes to Levert, then he's got a total of 41 minutes which makes way more sense. I've got Domas playing 42, Goga playing six. So, yeah. Uh, that Goga uh. six, it just feels right for some reason. But that's <laughs> what I mentioned. I got that eight-man rotation in there, but the minutes for Sumner, that's what's up in the air completely. So uh, the Pacers just put out um, an injury report about 10 minutes ago while we are recording. Okay. They have ruled out Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb is officially ruled out. Now we have Brogdon questionable, Aaron Holiday questionable, Sabonis questionable, but you get the feeling that he'll be out there. And Edmund Sumner questionable. So I know that doesn't feel promising, but I would like to say that those guys are trending in the right direction. But uh, the fact that they're not willing to say, hey, Sumner and Aaron Holiday or, you know, Brogdon, they're active. 
makes you really, you know, we're, we're going down to the buzzer. I think we'll find out more tomorrow, you know, hopefully a couple hours in advance. I truly don't hope this is a game time decision where, you know, obviously these players should stay ready, but you know, at the same point, I would like to know a little bit about who's going to be out there ahead of time. I mean, a guy like O'Shea Brissett, I mean, this is a, this is a new stage for him playing in the playoffs and Sumner, you know, this is, this would be some great run for him. Goga, this would be some great run for him if he can get it. But, you know, hey, th- th- there's a mystery going on right now. And I just think that the guys that are going to be available are going to be expected to play 40 minutes. All right. So you think the Pacers win or lose this game, Fudge? I think they do. I think they do. What? I said, do they win or lose? Oh, win. win. Okay. Sorry. I was like, you think they win or lose? He goes, I think they do. I was like, yeah, that doesn't answer anything. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's way to avoid the answer or question there. <laughs> Both. Yeah. yeah. So I put on Twitter my predictions for the playing game. I have a feeling Indiana pulls this game out in a very close game. And I think that the only reason I feel that way is because they've just got a little bit more veteran presence yep. that have experienced this. Like you're talking about a point guard in LaMelo ball. Like I, Really think their future is super bright for LaMelo, but he's coming back from an injury. It's his first time there. If they had Gordon Hayward in this game, healthy, my gut would say pick Charlotte. Just, I agree. I would not feel good about it. Just just because I feel like he's the difference maker for him. Like, this is going to be a good opportunity for Miles Bridges to get some time, P.J. Washington. Uh, Terry Rozier has been in the playoffs before. Yeah. So he has that experience. I think he could be kind of the uh, – not the X factor because I think he's going to be the go-to guy, but I, I do think Devonte Graham for me is their X factor, just because of his hot and cold, uh, you know, microwave a, a microwave ability to to get off at any time, but he could also go like two of twelve from the field Easily. and just shoot them out of the game. So that's why I think he's the X factor in this whole entire thing. And then for the Pacers, like what we've been seeing from Karis Levert and Demontis Sabonis in the month of May and, and early in the ending the month of April. Those two guys have found something special. I just don't want to see Brogdon interfere with that. And that's not necessarily to like knock Brogdon down for any reason. I'm just saying like they haven't had to play with him out there for a while. So to me, it feels like if Brogdon can kind of take a backseat, let those two guys do their thing. I mean, look at Sabonis. I mean, the numbers he's putting up is crazy, but like so willing to pass the ball. I think McConnell had 17 assists yesterday against the Raptors, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was earlier I think, in the year. I think it was 15. I 15, excuse say. me. 15. So that, I'm just saying, like, he's, un- I mean, he's willing no, to pass 17, you're right. Yeah, okay. I Like I said, I was on vacation, so everything's a blur. But he had 17 assists yesterday, and O'Shea Brissett went for 30 points. Okay. I just got to stop and say, say what you want about Kevin Pritchard's drafting ability. The ability to go out there and find a diamond in the rough, you know, a hidden gem, like O'Shea Brissett, and thrust him into the starting lineup of this team. Like, we we saw him on two 10-day contracts that didn't get hardly any minutes. Gets thrust into there because of all the injuries, and now he's like a starter in a playing game. Like, <laughs> this is this is like a Cinderella story type of thing, you know? So I am excited for, for what these young guys can do, and I think that with McConnell and Sabonis, these guys are willing passers. They're hopefully not going to try to force too much, and that is my only concern is that if it becomes a tight game, they get a little tense and start forcing up bad shots because we've seen it happen several times in playoff games instead of just being natural and trying to find the open guy. And that's where, that's where I think the Pacers could be in trouble if they, if they fall into that trap. No, of course. The one thing that we – and you made a great point in touching on that Charlotte does not have that playoff experience right now. And it's 
They, I'm impressed with what they've done this year. They peaked early. The Gordon Hayward injury obviously was rough. LaMelo Ball missed a, a large chunk of the season with a wrist injury. They're in good shape moving forward. But just like many teams, it's just not their time yet. And it's not the Pacers' time either, but you have a lot of guys that have been to the playoffs. I mean, your Brogdons, your Sponuses, Levert. I mean, there's there's a, a ton of uh, – obviously, T.J. McConnell's played in the playoffs. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. McDermott, hey, whether those guys have played well or not in the playoffs is a whole other thing, but you still need to be able to get there. I just think that right now, Charlotte has no answer for DeMontis Sabonis. I mean, this, this man has truly been on fire across the board. I mean, even when he exited the game against Milwaukee, he had mm-hmm. 14 assists at basically halftime. You know, you had 13 assists <laughs> at halftime. I mean, this this guy is playing on another level right now, and I, I just don't think that Charlotte has what it takes to slow him down right now, but I do think a guy like Malcolm Brogdon can slow down LaMelo Ball, can help slow down Terry Rozier. I mean, I'm looking forward to that, and we touched on the two-man game right now of Lavert and Sabonis. I mean, it, it's special right now. It really is. Uh, Lavert has been truly a treat to watch. I can't imagine what this season would have been had the Pacers not made that trade for Levert and not sign O'Shea Brissett. I mean, we would be looking at a, a really tough-to-look-at roster right now. I mean, there there would not be much here. But in, in the end, hey, the Pacers did get home court. Is that what you really wanted at 13-23 and 23 on the year? But that's obviously the goal. I mean, it's weird to say things like, hey, we would have been better off on the road. And look, guys – if we're if we're already here at this point, you kind of want to win, don't you? I mean, it's one more game, and at least it would be the most meaningful game of the season. At this point, look, we've rooted for them to win. We've rooted for them to lose. I'm rooting for them to win this game. So what I'll say is if people are wanting this team to tank, like I got called, I, I put out a, a tweet yesterday basically just saying what would have to happen for the Pacers to fall to like the 11th draft selection before the draft lottery. And I got told that uh, I'm not a fan because I'm rooting for them to lose. Like, okay, like, can we just stop? Like, I, I think that fans can have the right to, to feel however they want to feel. Like, if you're a fan and you want the team to lose so they got a higher draft pick, you're actually thinking about the long-term future of the team. So you're you're not not a fan. I, I think you're just a realist. And, like, why – to me, it's like, why waste time trying to become the eight seed so you can get swept by Philadelphia? Like, there, there's no point. Like, okay, maybe we win a game and feel good about it. But, like, what, what's the point? Like, it, it – it makes more sense to get a higher draft pick and put yourself in a better position long-term and get someone that you think can really help play with this team, impact this team and get them on a rookie contract. That is where getting a higher draft pick is more important. I mean, I even saw David Benner, the guy that's in charge of PR for the Pacers, like for all you tankers, you know, haha, we made the playing game, like just kind of rubbing it in people's face. It's like, okay, like, I don't think anybody oh, was, like, actively thinking the Pacers were going to be, like, a top five pick. No. no. They were just like, okay, like, if, if we're going to be this injury plagued and we're going to have this many issues with our coaching staff and our front office and whatever, we just got to, like, shut this season down. Like, just get it over with. Like, just that's what a lot of fans just want. Like, just take me out of my misery type of thing. But 
I will say this, Vach, for the Pacers to fall to 11th in the NBA draft, they would need Charlotte and San Antonio to make the playoffs as the eighth seed. So because Indiana has a win, uh, one more win than both of them, uh, Charlotte and, and, and San Antonio would fall to like 15th or 16th in terms of like draft picking, I think. I think that's like the lowest they can get if they make the playoffs. Yep. So we would jump all the way up to 11, I believe, if they both make the playoffs because Memphis, Golden State, L.A., Boston and, and Washington all have better records than us. So we would be in a better position if that's the case. But at the end of the day, I, I'm not sitting here saying like I'm rooting for them to win or lose. I, I just, if they win, cool. If they lose, cool. Like I, I'm not upset about it because I see both sides of it. And quite frankly, I don't want the team to actively lose just because, you know, like I don't want to see what the Thunder did. I don't want to sit there and watch 25 no, straight I, losses. I, that would be tough. It would be tough. To be invested in yeah. every single game and lose that many in a row, yeah. oh, I, I wouldn't want to wish that on anyone unless you end up with the number one overall pick. And even in the time being, it's like, look, you, you'd be looking at your calendar saying, I just got to get through these next couple of months. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. So that's where I'm at with everything. I love this Pacers team. I love a lot of guys on this team. And I think that a lot of them, this is a good opportunity for them. So I'm actually just rooting for them to get a good playoff experience and, and for them to play well. I'm not saying I'm rooting for a win or a loss and call me, uh, tell me I'm not a Pacers fan if I'm not rooting for a win, but I'm just rooting for a good basketball game and I want to see growth from our guys in a competitive game. I would love to see Goga maybe get more than it in six minutes and, and play well in the playoffs. Like that'd yeah, be kind of cool. It'd be nice. I'd like to see O'Shea feel comfortable out there. And then I would like to see McDermott do something in the playoffs because if he does, then like that gives you more of a reason to want to bring him back. But if he doesn't, I just say I'm not wasting my money on that. No offense, not wasting, but I'm not going to overspend to keep a guy that I don't feel like I can trust in the playoffs because he's that big of a defensive liability. So this is where I'm at with watching everything. And same with TJ McConnell. Like he was, a, he was a liability last year as well. I don't think Charlotte's going to give him that big of a problem, but I do think if you get deeper into it, he definitely will be um, someone that's a little bit undersized and overmatched. So I want to see how well he plays and if he can hold up to the challenge like he's done all season. So that's that's where I'm at, and I don't know if you disagree with my logic there, but that's just where I'm at as a fan. No, I respect it. I'm from the, the – in my situation, this feels like the only game in a long time that's meant something, and I want to see the Pacers come out and respond. And if you win this one more game, it, it makes me feel like, okay, you know what, maybe I got my little playoff fix. I know it's not a true playoff game, but – I don't want to see this team get slaughtered in a four-game series against the one seed. I don't. So I'm at the point of just give me the win over Charlotte, and I'll be able to say, hey, I knew it was never going to be this year, but we can we can move on, you know, to next year. So I do want this win. But I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Who has the most to gain out of the upcoming free agents and Goga? So here's the list. We got McConnell. We got McDermott. And we got Goga. If Goga plays great, say say he gets the minutes. I don't whatever happens, and he plays great. Do you think he has the most to gain in terms of trading one of the centers, or is it McDermott and McConnell? Because those guys are going to log you imagine at least twenty minutes a piece, and they're both free agents. A good game could you know spell the end of uh, you know whoever doesn't perform as well, and could bring back that you know that player so who do you essentially think has the most to gain out of the, that group yeah so when it comes to goga i don't really think they should determine whether this game or not 
impacts no. if they move on from one of the centers. Like at the end of the day, clearly they're better with one center. I mean, I yes. think it's pretty obvious with all the numbers that are on the court, even when they were solo, when they were both playing, when both Turner and Sabonis were healthy, the solo minutes were just better than the double big minutes. It just is what it is. Okay. So I don't think that matters, but I do think Goga has a lot to gain from just playoff experience. But when it comes to like how the future of the team goes, I would say that it probably means more for McDermott. And here's why, because I think a lot of teams are going to be wanting him. And I think that he could be, I think he has the same agent as Joe Harris, who just got a four year, $72 million deal, I believe with the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. And we know he is the fourth or fifth option on that team, but he's a scorer. Like he can put the ball in the basket. He's a defensive liability, but at the same time, I mean, if you spread the floor and he's sitting out there, like you can't leave him, which just opens up so many more lanes. So I think, you know, TJ McConnell, his three point shots gotten better, but I mean, Teams are giving him eight seconds to wind the thing up. Yep. I don't think that that really makes that big of a difference. And whatever McConnell does, I think you can get that through games one through 82. You don't need to watch it in the play-in game. He's just going to give you heart and scrap and hustle, you know. But I think with McDermott, you want to see him just go off in a playoff game, be super effective offensively, and make teams pay for possibly helping off of him to stop a DeMontis Sabonis rolling to the basket or a Karis LeVert putting his head down, going to the basket and him kicking out to the McDermott three. Like you almost want to see McDermott have like a game six or game four, I believe, Bojan Bogdanovich game. Oh, you know, I from, love from, it. From that the Pacers. Yeah. It was a game three. It was game three. I'll never forget yeah. it. Oh, man. Yeah. And like he just went off. Like I'm not saying McDermott needs to do that, but if he could do like half of that and just hit some big threes and just really keep this team afloat, like I think that'll be huge for his payday going forward. But I was going to ask you a question kind of similar to this, because when you were asking me, I wasn't sure which, which direction you were going. Which team, Indiana or Charlotte, needs this playoff or play-in game win more? The Pacers need it more. For Charlotte, you could look at them and you could say, hey, yeah, you guys had a cute little run. You know, like, we'll, we'll probably see you in the playoffs next year. For the Pacers, they lose this game. I honestly think the masses are going to say, Ugh, what happened to Indiana this year? I mean, we were the model of consistency for making the playoffs. This has been a, a rough year for all Pacer fans. And a loss to Charlotte right now without Gordon Hayward, I, I think would just say, like, okay, this is just the icing on the cake. You know, fire Bjorken, pack it up, do what you got to do, make some changes, let's move on. So I disagree with you. <laughs> I think this game means more for the development of the Charlotte Hornets, and here's why. I mentioned it. They don't have any playoff experience. The Pacers do. They need this. I, I mean, even with Gordon Hayward, they're banking on LaMelo Ball becoming a top 25 player in the NBA at some point, right? Because that's yep. what they really have to bank on. They don't have a lot else to bank on. I mean, Miles Bridges, I guess, is on his way to like top. I don't want to say anything. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, we don't want to put it. But he, he, is, he sure. has ascended this year from last year. Yep. And I put out a tweet to the point where I said I wouldn't even trade Miles uh, Miles Bridges for Miles Turner if I'm the Hornets just because of how well he's played and the position that he plays. I just think that he is that important. Like, he's got flaws in his game. Don't get me wrong. But he's becoming like my new Aaron Gordon where I'm falling in love with him. So Ooh, I remember that love affair. Yeah, so it's a, it's a new it's a new one, and I'm in love with the, with the different Miles. No surprise there. But, I mean, they've got young talent, and I think that they need this playoff experience more than Indiana does because, look, you said, like, oh, they're going to look at Indiana, like, what's going on there? I think that that is already out in the open, Fotch. <laughs> the players don't love Bjorken. I think that that's a lot to do with it. 
And a lot of these players aren't happy. And then you can also look at the injury history. We have been derailed by injuries. If you have TJ Warren and a healthy roster for like 75% of the season, we are a five or six seed, okay? So I don't think people are going to be like, well, in Indiana, I mean, they just suck. You know, they lose Oladipo and they're bad. Like, no, that's not what's going to happen. I think what they're going to say is, look, they fired Nate McMillan. He was a lot better than people gave him credit for it. And look what he did with Atlanta. That's going to be the Nate versus Nate comparison, especially if Bjorkman's fired. And I think that they're also just going to say they were derailed with injuries and, you know, they just got, you know, they got the, the, the they got bad, they got hurt at the wrong time. Like whatever you want to say. I, I, I just feel like this game means way more for Charlotte to win it than Indiana because of what I've already said. So I don't want to keep reiterating the points, but you That's know true. how I feel. Yeah, no, I, I took it from the standpoint of uh, which loss would be more detrimental. And I think that a loss to the Pacers would be more okay. detrimental than it would to the Hornets. But I definitely see your point in a win for the Hornets is something that I think they could. I don't want to put them. I don't want to make them sound like a sad charity case, but like I could see them like, you know, leaping up and down, grabbing each other. Like, yeah, like the Hornets are coming, you know, like all this stuff where if the Pacers did that, I'd be like, oh my God, get them off the court. This is getting embarrassing right now. Like we're not even in the playoffs, you know, (laughs) so we can't be celebrating, but you know, for, for our young Hornets team where you do have, you know, guys like LaMelo Ball, guys like Miles Bridges that are young, I, I do think it would mean a lot to them. While for the Pacers, I think it's almost like, I think they're probably thinking, ugh, like we have to win this game. While Charlotte can kind of play a little bit of pressure-free, and if they win, hey, you know, the, the future is going to be bright. If they lose, future still going to be bright. Yeah, I think there's definitely more pressure on Bjorkren oh, yeah. to go out and win this game. I don't think the players, I mean, they care, but they don't at the same time, like, it doesn't really affect the roster and how it's going to be shaken up if they win this one game, in my opinion, no. or if they lose this one game. But I think if you're a, if you're a Charlotte team, you've got to feel pretty confident because they've played pretty well against Indiana all season long. They have. They, they really almost beat New York. They almost beat Washington, who's actually been playing really well of late. They lost some close games to Atlanta, but they were playing well. So I think that Charlotte, you know, maybe I'm underlooking them a little bit because they've lost five in a row, but they've had some tough games. Like, I was so mad because, like, the Clippers, they went and, like, tanked the last couple of games so they could try to fall to the four seed and avoid the the Lakers, who will probably be the seventh seed. Like, why couldn't they have just tanked against Charlotte three games prior to the season ending? Like, you know, let Charlotte get that win so we could be the tenth seed and have a higher oh, draft. No. Like, that's what I was uh, thinking because I knew we were going to be ninth or tenth. I, I mean, the odds of us getting eighth with us having to play the Lakers, I knew was pretty impossible, especially – what you see LeBron's going to play and Anthony Davis. So exactly. That's, that's all I'm saying. Fach. And I'm not trying to be like pessimistic here, anything like that. So if people are taking me the wrong way, I'm trying to think long-term future. That's all. But with this game specifically, I think that Charlotte should have a ton of confidence. They can come in here and beat Indiana. I think that they should have confidence. That they could win two games because they have competed well with Washington, Boston and any, and Indiana. They've been a pretty decent team. They're 33 and 39. Their record's not that great, but it's, you know, it's not, like, awful. And they've been without Gordon Hayward. Having to figure that out. Borrego's a good coach. So nothing would surprise me if, if Charlotte somehow got into the eighth seed, if they happen to play Washington again and win that game. Like, it, nothing would shock me with Charlotte because I feel like their whole entire team has just been a wild card this entire season. It has. And I don't remember what their record is 
with a healthy Lamella Ball and Gordon Hayward in their ideal starting five. But I do remember them at one point; they were the fourth seed. I mean, mm-hmm. they really were, and and they held they held a top six seed, you know, for quite some time. It's just towards the end of the season. I mean, they've really been free falling. I mean, I'm I'm looking at it right now, and uh, ooh, they had some rough stretches. I mean, they had a stretch in, in the month of April where they lost uh, six of seven. You know, and they they've just lost five straight. I mean, it's it's uh it's been pretty rough for them. So they they held on as long as they could hold on. Just the bottom of the East is not good at all. So yeah. hey, do I feel good about this Pacers team beating a very wounded Hornets team? Yeah, I guess, but it does not say much in the end. I mean, we've talked about it. The wins this Pacers team has gotten lately have not been like okay. I feel like we wrote the ship. Yep. You know, we're going to turn it around. It's like Toronto wanted no part of, of winning that game. They had no business winning that game. So stuff, stuff like that is like, eh, all right, well, you know. So here's what I'll say. I think the team, like I mentioned before, I think they rallied. I don't want to say they rallied around Bjorkren, but I think they were tired of being embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And I think that Bjorkren obviously did everything he could, you know, coaching for his job. And, hey, you know what? The team responded. You know, let's see what they got could be the last game of the season. So I'll ask you this. Is this the last game you see TJ McConnell and Doug McDermott? Yes or no? If so, who are you going to see in a Pacer uniform again? No, I think you're going to see one of them. And I think it's going to be TJ McConnell. I think Doug McDermott's going to get paid too much in the offseason. paid. And the Pacers so. just don't have the financial uh, – they're not in the financial place to, to – go out and get him and pay the luxury tax. Like he's a fine player, but he's not worth keeping the luxury tax. Now, if they think that he's that important and they want to keep, like, I think he's been great with Bjorkren. So like if they keep Nate Bjorkren for another season, which I think is highly unlikely, and then they trade Turner or Sabonis or whoever for a little bit of salary cap relief, like let's just say they trade him into a team that has a lot of salary cap space, like a team like Charlotte. and, And you bring on one of the like lower salary players, like, like we mentioned with Miles Bridges, like I think he's only got like two or three million on his contract right now. So if you trade him for for Turner for one for this one season, then that would give you the money for this year to pay Doug. I mean, you could maybe see that, but I think McConnell's the more than likely guy to come back with the way that Aaron Holiday has played. You can't trust him as your backup point guard, and point guards are kind of you know thin throughout the league. You probably won't find a much better backup point guard, especially for a regular season. Uh, in regular season, you know, terms, I, I think that he just makes a ton of sense. And he is somewhat of a leader in this locker room. I don't think he is the voice that people listen to 24 seven, because if he was, then clearly none of this stuff would have got out. That would have been handled differently. But I do think that he does have somewhat of a voice. He's good for the young guys. So yeah, I, I think McConnell is back Foch, but I do think that we are going to see one more playing game. I really do believe that they beat Charlotte in a close game and then lose to Boston. I think Washington upsets Boston tomorrow. And then we got a Boston Pacers game that will go down to the wire um, because I don't think they have an answer for DeMontis Sabonis, but Brad Stevens did a pretty good job defending him this year as far as scheming to defend him. No, I very much did. And, you know, the loss of Jalen Brown, it, it really changes things. It really yes. does because let's be honest, this Celtics team underperformed significantly this year. And now you take out Jalen Brown, who was a, a very good player this year. You know, shout out to Jalen Brown. He had a really good year. But all of a sudden, you look at that, that Boston team, and you, outside of Tatum, I mean, I, I'm really not fearing, you know, much. But, hey, we don't want to look too far ahead. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, for, for tomorrow's game, 
you know, whenever you're listening to it, uh, Tuesday at, at 6.30 p.m., TNT, the nation once again gets a chance to witness a Pacer game. And let's let's see if we respond better this time because the past few, eh, they haven't been too great. How many have we lost? Man, I don't know. Just for some reason, that Milwaukee game sticks out where we were down like 50 points. Um, that's the one that really comes to mind. We lost to the Clippers uh, on national television in, in what was, I want to say, like a 20-point loss. That was a real bad one. Other than that, mm-hmm. man, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Those two definitely stick out. Yeah, we've been pretty bad in national media or national televised games. I, I definitely agree with that. And just real quick, I, I just now saw this message from or tweet from Jay Michael at 427 today on, on Monday. He said, skimming the Pacers Hornet, Hornets matchup for the play-in, if they can't solve the P.J. Washington at the five and Bridges at the four, their season is going to be over. That's a lineup on both ends. They failed to solve even with Sabonis and Turner. He said he, he goes on to say, I asked James Rego about that lineup. He said, P.J. at the five has been good for us. It gives us versatility on both sides of the ball when we cannot when we can protect the paint and still rebound and give them matchup problems on the other side. That's a plus for us. So. I think that Charlotte's aware of that. I would not be surprised if they go a little bit smaller. Don't expect Bismack Biombo to play much at all nope. if he does play at all, unless they get in some stupid foul trouble. But I think that, you know, we talked about that at the beginning. Just want to bring it back to this. There's a good possibility they do go small. And I guess this is going to be where Sabonis really gets challenged. Having to guard a bigger or a smaller, faster forward slash center in PJ Washington compared to banging in the paint with a guy like Cody Zeller. So someone that could really put, you know, Sabonis in a lot of pick and roll situations though. I I think that you're just going to have to figure this one out and maybe you have to switch a little bit more than you want to. And you're going to have to hope that O'Shea Brissett is a much better rim protector than he has been uh, without Miles Turner. Yeah. You know, we might have to send uh, Borrego that the tape of that, Pacer Raptors series a few years back, see if uh, maybe Biombo grows on him a bit more uh, so we can, <laughs> you know, get some of his minutes up. But no, I don't, I don't see him playing much this game. Probably maybe could log five to 10 minutes or something like that, you know, given what, what the situation may be foul, foul wise. But yeah, I do expect to see a healthy dose, dose of PJ Washington. I do like me some PJ Washington moving forward. But hey, for, uh, for tomorrow's game, I'm anti-PJ at this point, and I'm all DeMontis Sabonis. So bring it on. Absolutely. Well, this wraps up our playing game preview. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. I know that a lot of fans are still not as present on Twitter as they have been, but if you are listening to this and you haven't already, make sure you check us out at Wearfachi on social media. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. And you can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. And if you have a Setting the Pace t-shirt that you bought, make sure you have it on for our 6.30 game tomorrow against the Charlotte Hornets. But if you don't have a shirt, didn't get one, make sure you got your Pacers gear on as you're sitting on the couch. Maybe you're at a friend's house. Maybe you're at a restaurant watching the game. Wherever you're at, just remember that there's only three words you can say when you're watching this team. Let's go Pacers!